Good morning. How about that? All right. I love technology. We are glad to see you guys here this morning. We're pumped that you're here. And uh, as these guys are moving stuff around, I just want to jump in. Last week, we started a series on marriage saying, I want a new marriage. That's what we entitled it. Today, I want to talk about the role that hope plays in marriage. All of us start off with a lot of hope when it comes to marriage. And you're holding on to hope. Sometimes if you're in a place where you're saying, I want a new marriage, you might be, that's all you're holding on to is hope. And if you hold on to hope long enough, after a while you start thinking, well, how much longer can I take? Some of you might be sitting here this morning and thinking, um, this is it. This is my last chance. I mean, I'm kind of turning to God or I'm turning to church and I'm, I'm hoping that maybe in some way, somehow he can break through and help me with a breakthrough in my marriage. Some of you may be sitting here and thinking, I wish my spouse was here. I wish they were putting in the effort that I'm trying to put into to save our marriage. The proverb says this, Proverbs 13, 12 says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. See, we got to have hope, but what that scripture is saying is hope isn't enough. That, that just hope is not gonna, what's gonna sustain your marriage or my marriage, that we've gotta have more than hope. Hope is not a plan and hope is not a strategy for a lasting relationship. Hope's not that. And what that sounds like in your marriage or maybe in my marriage is, I hope that he'll quit doing that thing. Or I hope he quits treating me that way. Or I have a hope that one day he's going to put us ahead of work or us, that me and the kids ahead of his hobbies or or ahead of himself. Or hope may sound like this. I hope she quits nagging me. I hope, I hope that she stops talking bad about me in public. We have all these kind of hopes, and if you're like me, we've thought those things or maybe even said those things. But after a while, if hope is all we have, hope isn't enough. And so your marriage and my marriage needs more than simply hope in order for it to work. And so um, that comes in a variety of forms, uh, you know, from the the huge things in life to the the little nuances of marriage. Uh, I'm sure my wife would hope that I took more care of the cars. Because I'm the guy, if I'm sitting in my car and it's clean and it's vacuumed and it's wiped down and I don't see any dirt on the windshield, I'm good. I can have bugs and dirt and all kinds of stuff stuck to the side of the car. But if I can't see it, I don't care. I'm sure she hopes that. I know that if you're like uh, us, then um, there's been plenty of times where money has become an issue and you start blaming each other. Or the in-laws start putting things in your ear and you start hoping for something else. And you start having thoughts like this. Man, did I, did I marry the, the right person? Did, were they ever going to change and be the way I want them to be? Those kind of, that, that is the indicator that hope isn't enough. That hope won't last. Can I tell you, just in our marriage, uh, I had to do some shifting. And I have to continually do some shifting to realize that the relationship that God's got me in in my marriage is a, and my wife is a complete compliment to me. In fact, I gave her a nickname because for the first few years of our marriage, we just always rubbed each other the wrong way. And 
then I gave her a nickname. It kind of changed all that. I ain't going to share it with you. <laughs> if you know me well, you know what it is. It's my password. So I can't give it away, right? You know, when we start relationships, they always start with hope. And, and when you're in a relationship or a dating relationship or romantic relationship and, and, and hope's starting to wear out, you start doing things like this. Well, when we get married, I hope things will change. Or when I get that job or you get that promotion, then I hope things will change and everything will be fine. Or I hope once we have our first child, then I hope that the, that our family will take precedence in our lives. And those kind of hopes sustain for a little short while. But then you realize hope isn't enough. See, hope minimizes difficulties and ignores obstacles. And it finally wears out. I'm going to take you to a passage. Uh, this is in... Um, let me get this right. This is in Mark chapter six, the first six, the first six verses of it, and it's talking about Jesus and uh, and how this relates to that is 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 he's early in his ministry. He's just kind of revealed himself as the as uh, as a major player spiritually in Jerusalem, and he goes to Jerusalem and he overturns tables and he does some teaching and is baptized by John and forty years in the desert. He comes back home to Nazareth to his hometown, and this is where we pick up the story. It says this, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has, that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here among us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives and his own home. And he could not do many miracles there, except by laying of hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. You know, what happens is we get fooled by familiarity. It happened to Jesus and it happens in our marriage. See, they knew him and they knew him really well and they were not willing to accept him for who he really was. They got fooled by the familiar and they were not willing to honor him. And that's sort of how it happens in our marriages. We start out with a lot of hope. We have all these dreams and ideals of the way it could be and it should be. But then time erodes away and the daily routine takes something from us and we get familiar and hope disappears. Now, um, I, I'm going to go ahead and admit it. I'm going to go ahead and admit it for my wife, wherever she is. We're germaphobes. Um, anybody else a germaphobe? Three? Really? I'm going first through the line in the food, okay? No, I'm <laughs> We're germaphobes. I think my wife conditioned me to that kind of thinking. But so we like hand sanitizer and wipes. And when the babies were little, I mean, the pacifier, if it hits the ground, we're washing it. There was no five-second rule. Okay, no. We no. All right, so, and with your first kid, I mean, you're like anal about it, right? And we were just off the charts anal about it. And and so Addie, we took her to McDonald's one day. <clears throat> and like if the fry even hit the tray, you like this? If it hits the tray, that's no good. Or if it hits the uh, hits the table, that's no good. All right, so we're doing stuff, and and we turn around, and Addie's we could see her. It was like slow motion. She was making a beeline for a French fry on the floor, <laughs> on the floor of the playground area in the nastiest McDonald's you want to imagine. <laughs> 
And it was like slow motion. We're like, no, you know, trying to, trying to get to her. And she's reaching down and she pops it in her mouth and starts chewing. And we're like, you know, trying not to dry heat. We do the finger swoop to try to get it out of her mouth, but she swallows it. We're like, no, she may not live, you know. That was a tragedy in our home. We couldn't believe that it happened. And we went home and cried, I think. You know, it was just awful. You fast forward a couple kids and Shay comes along. We're like throwing them on the ground, see if she'll eat them, you know. <laughs> I give it a shot. It didn't kill Addie. But that's the rule of familiarity. We get fooled by it. We get worn down by it. That's what happens. When you say we grew apart, that's what we're talking about here. Well, I just don't feel in love with them anymore. That's what we're talking about here. We get fooled by the familiar. And when that starts slipping away from us, when we, when we sense and we feel that those feelings and those hopes are slowly vanishing and fading away, you know what we do? We decide we got to do something. And so we act. And you know what we tend to do? Most of us tend to do this right here. Make sure I get this right. I don't have a mannequin. This will have to do. We get the leash out. We get the leash out. We decide we need to control the situation. We need to start putting boundaries on things. We need to start asking questions like, where are you going and when will you be back? And, and what about the credit card? Do I need to take that from you? Or what are your phone, cell phone? Let me look at your phone. What about your Facebook account? I need access to that. And we start trying to control and pull and tug to make someone do what we want. We grab the leash. Anybody ever feel that way? It is a national reaction to do that. But you know what that says? <clears throat> that says we have no faith in them and even less faith in God. When we decide to grab the leash and try to control the relationship, what we're saying is, I don't have faith in you, and I don't have faith in God. And the Scriptures make it really clear, without faith it is impossible to please God. In fact, Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is confidence of what we hope for, and assurance of what we do not see. Faith is being confident of those things we can't see, and the things we can't control. See, these are counter-opposites to each other. Faith and control don't mix. See, hope starts a relationship, but if a relationship is going to blossom into all God created it to be, then we have to add faith to it. Faith is a key ingredient to a healthy relationship. If we want the happy home we've always dreamed of, the intimacy we've always wanted, uh, if we want the companionship and friendship that we dreamed about in a marriage relationship, then we have to add faith to hope. My spouse isn't doing what I want. They're not acting the way they should. I have to pull. The only thing I can do is pull. If I, I've got to do something. It's me. It's on me. What do I need to do? And so we start pulling the leash and trying to make them behave. But here's the deal. If you do this and if I do this in our my relationship and say, listen, God, I'm not really looking to you and I'm not really trusting them, but I know I can trust me. So I'm going to start manipulating the situation and making them do what I want to do. Even if you get them to go where you want them to go and do what you want them to do, you lose. You lose. You might win the battle, but you're losing the war. 
I, hey, I, you know, and oh man, I got hurt and she, and he did this for me, or I made him do that. I made him feel guilty enough or whatever. You are losing your spouse. This kind of relationship is a lose, lose relationship. You want to know why? Because this is not a marriage relationship. If you're the master, who's on the other end? You got a slave or a dog. This is not that kind of, at best, it's a parent-child. Sometimes you put your kid on one of these, right? The best case scenario, you have a parent-child relationship. Worst case relationship, you have a master-slave relationship. And guys, that is not God's idea of marriage, and that is not a, a, a functioning, healthy view of marriage. It's lose-lose, even if you decide to go that route. You say, um, well, what does that leash look like? There's all kinds of ways we try to control our spouse, manipulate our spouse. It can look like this. It could be financial control. It could be emotional manipulation. It could be shutting someone out with a cold treat, a silent treatment. It could be sexual rationing. It could be all kinds of ways. Any way you're trying to control or manipulate or own the situation. You've taken up a leash and try to control. Let's take an example. Let's take the example of conflict resolution. So you have an argument. No one ever has an argument in their marriage, right? Yeah, just hypothetical. I mean, I know this isn't you and this doesn't happen in your home and, you know, the birds are chirping and the, you know, the air's brighter in your home. I get it. I get it. But just hypothetically, you're arguing and someone starts yelling. And so someone else starts yelling and then you're throwing zingers at each other. And then I see who hurt can hurt the other person more than the, than the rest. And whoever's quicker on their feet might win. And so my goal when that thing's happening is I try to win the argument. Even if you win, you lose, right? Even if you win that argument, you lose. You didn't endure them to yourself. You didn't, you didn't try to win points with them at all. You say, well, they're yelling, so I needed to yell. No, you don't. They're throwing zingers, so I need to zing back. No, you don't. Look at what God says right here. This is uh, James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. It says this. Everyone, who? Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Look, what God's saying is simply this. Sometimes your faith to trust God in a situation that you want to control and you want to manipulate and you want to yell, sometimes what that faith means is you don't say anything. Catch it. And you don't take the, you don't take the leash because you're slow to anger and you're quick to listen. Sometimes That's what it looks like. Because firing back is never going to accomplish what you want it to accomplish. Here's the word I'm trying to tell you. If you want a new marriage, you have to replace faith when faith replaces fixing. 
When you want a new marriage, you got to decide, I'm going to stop trying to fix my spouse, manipulate my spouse, and I'm going to start trusting God and trusting them and let God do his work in their life and let God do his work in our marriage. You get a new marriage when faith replaces fixing. That's hard, isn't it? It's human nature. My wife sees more of my flaws than anyone else. And I bet she's got a list of things she'd love to fix. One or two. But real faith, genuine relationship, if it's not going to be this kind of relationship, what has to happen is you go, you know what, God, this is a conscious choice. He's spouting off. He's out of line. I could say something to set him in his place, but I choose to let you deal with it. God, you deal with him. You stick them, God. You get them. Believe me, what God will do is far worse than what you can do. And what God will do is far more lasting than you could ever do when we choose to let go and trust God. When we don't, when we take up the reins, when we decide we've got to act, what happens is simply this. We are knocking the walls down in our, in our home. We're, we're pounding on the walls of our home and the mortar is spouting out. We might think that we're doing something and we're winning, but we're crumbling and eroding the walls of our home away. And it may not topple today or tomorrow, but you're, you're investing in such a way that it'll eventually crumble. Because you just keep pulling and you just keep pushing. You just keep pulling. You just keep pushing. I gotta have it my way, not your way, my way, not your way. And we say, uh, we, we, most of us stand in a church and we say, we, we have God in our ceremony and we include him in that. And then how many of us just decide, I've gotta control this and we leave him out of the equation. <clears throat> God says, I wanna be a part of that. So you're not going to have the marriage you desire. Your spouse is not going to enjoy the process. Nobody's going to be happy in the home as long as it's a fixing, leash scenario. And so instead of losing your cool, instead of blowing your top, instead of throwing zingers, you say, I want what God wants. I want what's best for us. I want us to win. I don't want anyone anymore. I want us to win. And if, if us winning means I don't say anything, then guess what? Maybe I shouldn't say something. Maybe. <laughs> so you get a new marriage when faith replaces fixing. <clears throat> now let me just say this. It's hard. It's hard. But when we start to trust God for our spouse and trust God for our marriage, he can do amazing things. When we try to do it and we try to take control, you just, you're, you're, you're just killing it. You're just killing it. Got a true story. I've told this story a few times before. Maybe you've heard it, but uh, I think it illustrates this point exactly. True story. A couple was going out on a, a nice, Black tie, beautiful event, nice dinner. So she's got on her, I don't know what kind of dress it's called, her dinner dress, cocktail gown. It's the kind of a something, you know, you got to zip it up in the back. And so she's getting all ready. And so she's, <clears throat> she's got her dress on. She says, honey, will you, will you help me with the back of the zipper? He's like, yeah. 
So he grabs the back of the zipper. He's kind of being playful. He thinks he's being funny. And he goes, zip, 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 zip. And breaks the zipper. Breaks the zipper. She's like, it's my best dress, my only dress. You know, like, dang, gone it, you idiot. And it's doing. And she's looking for a time for her revenge, as you can imagine. So she comes home not a few days later, and she's walking in the garage, and there, there's the car, and it's getting worked on, and there's his legs poking out from under the car. He's changing the oil. Well, you can see his pants. So she's going to get a revenge. She reaches down to his jeans zipper, and what do you think she does? Zip, 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 zip. He doesn't move. He doesn't say a word. She's like, I got him. She's strutting inside, all happy. She walks in, walks into the kitchen, and there her husband is. <laughs> pouring a drink. If you're here, who's under the car? That's Tom next door. <laughs> helping me change the oil. They go back outside to check on Tom, and he did what anyone else would do if someone grabbed your zipper. He tried to sit straight up, knocked himself out on the bottom of the car. True story. See, when we try to change things, when we try to take control, when we think we can manipulate the situation, that's kind of stuff happens. When we say, look, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to lose, let go of the control I'm trying to have. Then we give God space to work. We give God space to work in our life and in our spouse's life and in our marriage. If we've got the control, if we've got the leash, he's, he can't have a hand in it, can he? But when we choose to let go, he can do his thing. So we have to add faith to hope, don't we? We have to learn to follow God and His plan and His ways for our marriage and not our plans and our ways. We have to add faith to hope by saying, listen, I'm going to trust God for what I can't do on my own and do myself. And adding faith to our marriage looks like this, guys. It looks like getting in God's book and His word and finding out how He wants us to act and the kind of people He wants us to be. This is the best marriage manual you will ever find. Because it tells us about ourselves. And it's like the Bible says it's a mirror and it shows us about ourselves and it shows me all the brokenness that I bring into the relationship. It tells me how I'm supposed to put other people ahead of myself and love sacrificially like Jesus has done for me. It's the best marriage book on the planet because it teaches us how to love and forgive and show mercy and kindness. It teaches about the role of God in our lives and through this Holy Spirit. It is the best manual out there. And guys, let me just say this. That's why this afternoon, this luncheon we're doing is so huge for not only you, but for your marriage. Because when you get in a small group and you start getting into God's word and you start praying and letting those things, those truths impact your life and your heart, it'll change how you view yourself. It'll change how you view your marriage and your spouse. And you can add faith to hope. I think all of our small groups are great for that. But I wanted to point out one particular Sunday morning 
Lauren and Donna Mungie, they've been through this. They've walked this road in their marriage and they decided they were going to add faith to hope. And so they've got an amazing testimony of how God has restored their marriage by adding faith to hope. And so they just have a heart for that. If you're wanting that kind of mentoring and that kind of relationship, then you need to find their group and be a part. But whatever group you're in, it's critically important that you do that. If the thought, I want to make this clear, if the thought of letting go of that leash scares you, you need, it's, it's, it's no other issue than a faith issue. It's a trusting God thing. Because letting go, if that's scary to you, what you've been saying is that I've had control this whole time. Maybe not just in marriage, but in life in general. I, I don't want to trust God for these things because I like hanging on to the leash. What God is saying this morning to you would be, you've got to trust me. You've got to learn to let go. You've been hanging on to your finances. You've been hanging on to your marriage. You've been hanging on to your job. You've been hanging on to these things. And you're unwilling to let me in and let me do what I can do. It's time to let go. You say, man, my marriage, we have tried and tried. And we got so much work to do. We got so far to go. Join the club. But if you'll intentionally add faith to hope, God can tell a new story in your marriage. If you're tired of saying, I've done it my way, I've tried manipulating and bullying and controlling and and appeasing, I've done everything I can think of to do to save my marriage, restore my marriage, make it better than I thought it could be, than it is today, and you're hanging on to the leash, today God wants to say to you that, that you need to let go and let him. And if you've never let go, like, like if you're saying this leash, I'm clasping that my whole life is right here and I've never let God in at all. But I'm realizing that me hanging on to this thing isn't getting anything done. I mean, it's not working out the way I planned. And I'm really at the end of my rope and I'm really ready to try something else and try something new. And maybe just maybe if I try God and trust him with my whole life then I can have a new beginning. And if that's true for you this morning, God wants to, God wants to step into your life. In fact, there's a passage that says, I behold at this door and knock. I'm standing there right outside your heart's door, knocking, waiting for you to let me in, waiting for you to let me in. But you've got to let go of control first. You've got to open the door. You've got to say, okay, God, I'm ready for your way, not my way. Will you let them in? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I believe you want us to add faith to hope. You want our marriages to be strong and courageous and loving and intimate. But God, when we're hanging on to the leash, you can't do any of that. And so, Father, for anyone this morning that would just say this, God, I'm ready to let go. I'm ready to stick you on my spouse. I'm ready to stop controlling and manipulating the situation. I'm just going to let you do it because I'm tired of trying to do it myself. If that's you, just tell God that right now. Say, God, I'm letting go of this relationship, and I'm going to let you work. 
And then anyone here this morning that it's bigger than marriage and it's bigger than a relationship, it's bigger than a spouse. There's there's this been this control issue in your life uh, where you have never let God in, or you have there's areas of your life where you've never not letting God in, and He wants to let you to let go today. Just do it. Just trust Him. Just tell God, God, I'm ready to have you in my life. I'm ready to have you in this area. I'm going to stop hanging on and messing things up. I'm ready for you to come in. I believe Jesus is the answer, not just to my marriage. He's the answer to life. He is God's anointed one. He is God's solution to sin. He is God's all-redeeming redeemer who can bring life to me. And I put my faith in Jesus. God, we thank you for how you spoke to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.